Hello, this is Drink the Music. A podcast where each week we listen to an album, make a cocktail, and have a chat about it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the music. Well, hello and welcome to volume 14 of Drink the Music. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, you know, one of the one of the genres of music that you and I both really uh, seem to enjoy. We've talked about it a couple of times, uh, starting way back with our first volume, Joey Mitchell, you know, kind of this uh, folk music uh, song. So I wanted to go a little bit newer this week when I put our votes together for Patreon. And it was a tough one because these were a couple of really good uh, albums. We had the uh, Lumineers, Lumineers uh, self-titled album from 2012 going up against the, another album from 2012 that... Uh, went on to be pretty successful in terms of winning the Grammy to end all Grammys album of the year but that was Mumford and Sons Babel it took the uh took the title this week from our Patreon vote over on Patreon patreon.com slash drink the movies uh so Mumford and Sons Michaela how are you doing today what do you think about Marcus Mumford and his sons um I I I'm in love with Marcus Mumford I think most I think I said this and I know it was a kind of a broad, hasty generalization because I'm sure there are mm. people that that this this music during this time that it came out uh, were not moved. But this uh, I remember this summer very vividly that this came out. If it was summer when I really dove into it and it was all of a sudden everywhere. It was at every wine um, event that I was in. I was doing this kind of wine tour of Texas at the time because that's where I lived. Um, it, everybody was trying to uh unsuccessfully play this stuff in like open mic nights uh everybody was listening to it people were like when can i when can i get tickets to go see mumford and sons lives it was this pandemonium about this album and it was um really interesting to me because uh i love folk music as you know the mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. the idea the, the the kind of the banjo and this was very this is mountainy folk, I think, from an American standpoint. This is what we would say, or kind of a bluegrass. Uh, but I guess in England, uh, talking to our, our one uh, English expert, which is uh, my husband, he just said, yeah. it's it's just folk music. And I was like, great. And he was like, that's what we call it. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, so yes, uh, I, I'm True. so excited to be doing this album. It, it is tough because I love the Lumineers too. We're just going to have to do that in, in the coming weeks. Uh, but I'm super excited to talk about all things Babel, 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 however you say it. Right. Uh, if you say it with uh, Marcus Mumford's uh, uh, accent, it's Babel, but uh, we're probably going to call it ba Babel. I don't know. It, it's probably going to go back and forth. So uh, don't hold us to either of those uh, pronunciations. But yeah, apparently, uh, according to your husband and according to Wikipedia, this is uh, English folk music. Um, it has a very much kind of a like a like an Irish folk music kind of kind of tilt to it i think um even though the, the these lads are from london and like you said michaela if you know if this was in the u.s we'd call it um i would i would refer to it as like bluegrass or like like appalachian like mountain uh style of music so it's kind of these uh this weird like mishmash of genres that we had going on uh right here in this uh part of the uh, year 2000s so who are the mumford and sons so mumford and sons is the uh british folk band hailing from london established in 2007 by marcus mumford ted Dwayne, ben lovett and winston marshall uh the name obviously coming from marcus mumford and his sons not really uh it's just a 
name that was meant to harken back to like uh so some sort of like old family name or old like family business name and uh, i really like the name mumford and sons that's a good name good name uh so what do we got in the band we've got uh, marcus mumford would uh, sing and play the guitar Dwayne on the bass love it could play the piano and marshall was going to play the banjo uh which seems to me on a side note the hardest instrument of all instruments to play i can play the guitar very poorly the banjo seems like a thousand times more difficult than that i don't know for sure um by the late to mid 2000s there was a pretty strong music scene coming out of uh, this particular part of London and Mumford and Sons would capitalize and start gaining some popularity locally and then set off on a UK tour followed by a Glastonbury performance in 2008 and then tours in Australia and the United States while working on their album Love Your Ground before beginning to work with producer Marcus Dravs. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Marcus Dravs, if you don't know, is a producer, a really good one. As a matter of fact, he produced Coldplay's Viva La Vida. He produced Arcade Fire's The Suburbs, which is my favorite album of all time, which won Grammy for Album of the Year. The year before this one would go on to win Grammy of the Year or Album of the Year. Uh, The album changes its name from Love Your Ground to Sigh No More, which reaches number two on the Billboard charts and goes three times platinum, gets three Grammy nominations uh, for Performance Record of the Year for The Cave and Newcomer. Uh, The other kind of notable song, the first song I ever heard from Mumford & Sons was Little Lion Man. That was kind of the big one uh, here when that got kicked off. And they'd win big here with Babel winning the the uh, top prize there at the Grammys this year. So, Michaela, Mumford & Sons, Babel uh, comes out. Were you familiar with the band at all before? Had you heard Little Lion Man? Had you heard uh, The Cave? You know, kind of those those two, like, bigger hits off of that first album. Um, because I was I was familiar with them, but they weren't, like... Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I didn't expect it to, like, like blow up to the level of, like, Grammy of the Year or record. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you keep saying that. Record of the Year, uh, you right. know, with the, with the next one. But, but what do you think? Were you familiar with them at all or... I had heard Lion Man, Little Lion Man. Um, and, but yeah, it was, to me, this is something that was like, it felt like an overnight success that lasted months. Um, and then, I, and I know that's not the case because they played in, uh, they had this headline performance in Glastonbury. And I think that was in 2013, um, which is was after this album came out. But I remember thinking, I was like, oh, they've arrived. And really they'd been on the scene then for quite some time. But I remember um, seeing on, because uh, I had television at that point, um, there, it was a, a Palladium was a kind of like a VH1 and it showed just live performances. And so I got to see them perform uh, from the comfort of my own home, which was amazing. Uh, it, we got to talk about whether you've seen them live or not, because uh, mm-hmm. I just think that they have such energy um, and you can really hear it in all of their music, whether they're live or not. And I think that's part of what makes them so special. But no, um, I feel very much like this second album of, of that is that was Babel, that was Babel, um, really kind of set the tone for, from an American standpoint, because I don't think I think I heard I will wait before I heard Little Lion Man. I think that it kind of, okay. for for my pers, I I I seem to remember that I was confused that Little Lion Man didn't come after. Oh, okay, okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll get into all that, and we'll get into the uh, the timeline here of things as we go. But before we do that, Michaela, we need a drink that is worthy of Mumford and Sons uh, family uh, family uh, cocktail recipes for sure. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back to whip up this week's drink. So, Brian. Yes. You created or found the most amazing mm-hmm. 
cocktail that pairs. Uh, this might be my favorite pairing of when we talk about volumes of music and cocktails. I don't know if it's because this is the first time in a really long time we were able to make it together. I don't know, but I not only love this drink, but I thought that this was so spot on for this album. And kudos to you for finding it. Um, you found a whiskey cobbler, which sounds so perfect. It's like, as you cobble, like if anybody doesn't know a cobbler is a person who works on shoes, but you also like you caught because you cobble together pieces of leather and you cobble together pieces of the sole. Um, and yet, and it's very, sounds very folky and sounds very like old timey and, you that's know, right, that's right. Bespoke, I think is uh, how I describe Bespoke, it. That's exactly when I, it. When I was going through it. Yeah. I was, <laughs> uh, I was looking for, uh, for a cocktail that, that, you know, kind of, you know, had some themes or something, you know, along the lines of, of, uh, Babel, Tower of Babel, you know, anything with that, anything kind of uh, with any of these songs or lyrics that kind of grab me. And I'm like, nah, I'm not really finding anything too much. So let me just kind of listen to the album and see see what I think. Like, where is my headspace? Like, what do I want to drink with that? I'm like, I want a whiskey drink with this, right? Uh, going back to these uh, these uh, English uh, folk tunes, some whiskey seems good. That seems like something that you'd have if you were uh, going to visit the uh, Mumford & Sons uh a shop there or something like that. And then I found this one and it's called the whiskey cobbler. Uh, I found several kind of variations of this. So we'll talk about the one that we made here. Um, but the whiskey cobbler uh, seemed perfect because it's super, super old. So a cobbler um, is basically like a, like a class of drink. That's going to be, um, you know, your spirit, uh, some sugar, and then some seasonal fruit. I'm like, that sounds good. Let's mix one of those up. Um, nowadays, we would make something like a whiskey smash where you're taking like these like fruits and berries and stuff and like smashing them up and then adding uh, your spirit to it. And I don't I actually don't like those that well because it kind of gets uh, mucked up where you're smashing it up. Mm -hmm. It gets astringent from like beating up the fruits and stuff like that. So I'm like, I don't know. Is this going to be fruit forward enough? Is this going to be delicious? Uh, and it turns out that it is. Uh, the cobbler, it comes from 1862. It was originally made with sherry. Uh, but nowadays, you can do it with sherry, uh, which sounds delicious. I'm going to make one of those for sure. Um, you can also make it with brandy. Also sounds delicious. Or whiskey, uh, which is what we did. We used an American bourbon in ours. So let's put this together, Michaela. It is pretty simple. Take a glass, uh, get some ice in there. And in a shaker tin with a little bit of ice, you're going to go with three ounces of your whiskey. Stiff drink, stiff drink. Uh, half an ounce of simple syrup and a half an ounce of lemon juice. Uh, go ahead and put that into your shaker tin, shake that up, and then strain it into your glass. Uh, you're going to go ahead and garnish that glass with a couple of slices of orange. Uh, you can put a cherry in there if you want, and then some seasonal fruit. Uh, we went with blackberries here uh, for ours, and I was I was worried, Michaela. I was like, you're just kind of putting the fruit in there. Is that really going to like infuse enough? You're not shaking it or anything with it, but it turns out it does, and it's delicious. Yeah, it sure is delicious. Um, I... Thought this was a beautiful cocktail. Um, I loved that we didn't have to smash anything because like you, I really am not a fan of getting, especially if it's berries like raspberries or blackberries because you get the little bits in your teeth. That's never good. Um, okay. Even when you strain it, I just, uh, it's not my favorite thing. Um, but this had all of that infusedness into it, but it was much easier to drink. It was really easy to drink. It was a little too easy to drink. Uh, I could have had probably about three or four of these. Um, if you're going to drink, everybody drink responsibly. Um, but I loved this. I thought it was dark. I thought it was bright at the same time because you got the lightness of that lemon. Um, but the, you know, depending on what spirit you're using and what we used, I felt was very kind of a, like dark and and not dark and stormy because it's not gin, but like very 
I don't know. It was just very um, bold and the the richness of it. I think uh, if you wanted to do something a little bit extra special, special, if you don't want to use regular simple syrup, which is just half sugar, half water, you could use like a honey syrup. That would have been kind of neat mm -hmm. um, and added maybe a different kind of a deeper dimension to it. Um, but this was perfect as is. I could drink this the rest of the fall. And I think I'm going to. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I definitely you think. It's perfect for this album because there's so much into it. It's very, I, I don't know. I, I just loved it. And I remember taking a sip and being like, this is this is the best thing that we've made in a really long time. And I think, I know I say that a lot, but I really, I really believe it. This one was so good. That's right. Once a week, Michaela has her favorite cocktail we've ever made. Uh, for sure. No, this, um, this was really good. I was I was hoping that it would hit. And yeah, you take a sip of it and it tastes exactly like this album sounds. It's it's pretty wild, pretty wild. Um, You mentioned doing some honey syrup. You could do that. You can make like a Demerara simple syrup, which would be a little bit richer. You just use uh, Demerara sugar as opposed to uh, your regular kind of table sugar there. So you can, and then obviously you can play around with those fruits. Um, I think the oranges is kind of a must, but I you could use, um, you know, whatever uh, seasonal berries or fruits or uh, pear. Uh, now that we're getting into the fall, that would be good. Something like that. So I uh, give a whiskey cobbler a shot or try it with sherry or brandy let us know what you think about that and uh, let us know what fruits are your favorites in these uh kind of whiskey uh concoctions here so we can try those out for sure but now that we have this made michaela let's do this let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to chat about 2012's Babel. All right, Michaela. So we have in the year 2012, Mumford and Sons bring us their second album uh, called Babel. And we are going to start it off with the title track, Babel. Um, it feels pretty much like a carryover from Sino no More, if you're uh, familiar with that first album at all. But everything is kind of blown up here. So the scope, the stylings, the audible quality are like dialed up to 10. Like it sounds like Sino no More was like, I don't know, like you're like you're. I don't know, like middle school album. This one very much sounds like your like your graduate uh, version of that album. Um, if you like the first album, you're going to like this. Uh, the album really doesn't uh, pull any punches in terms of its songwriting uh, here. And Babel opens up this world where uh, Marcus Mumford and uh, Co. or his sons, I guess, are weaving kind of... Um, almost like this this whole album to me, it's it's almost like a series of like Victorian poems. Of like love yeah. and heartache and longing of spirituality. Uh, the churning of this acoustic guitar uh, at the start kind of grabs hold of your attention. And then this banjo comes in and just goes nuts. Uh, it sets the stage and uh, we are into Babel, Michaela. We are into Babel. Um, I loved the beginning of this or why they why they picked this as, uh, first of all, their title track, but also the first album or the first track on the on the entire album. I thought that was a really um, good choice. It has this roughness, the the vocals. Um, and we should talk about this a little bit because I'm sure you know more than me. Um, I the, the the vocals here are very um kind of there's a roughness and not a gravelliness, but it's 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 not as clear as in some of the other songs. And we're gonna talk about that um when they hit you later. Um mm -hmm. the just the difference in that. But I loved this um this kind of singing yelling <laughs> that they do. Um yep. That is really actually hard to put pull off. If you've ever uh, tried to sing this karaoke, uh, I've listened to it a lot. It's, it's hard to, do it, well, to do it for sure. It's hard, it's very hard to do it well, and they do it um, beautifully. And like I couldn't tell at the beginning, um, but I remember be thinking, "Is that a banjo or is that like ten guitars?" Kind of 
like rolling along because it's got that um, just the picking of it is so um, very folky, but it's so fast. And, you know, mm. this really, to me, lets you know that these songs uh, are the, the this is the king of the build up album. Right. Like so many of the songs have this kind of lull to them, this role, like you you get the cadence ready and then it just ratches up, ratches up, and then it explodes in the sound um, uh, concaphony of, of amazingness. And it's no different. Babel sets you up. It lets you know we're here, we're, we're back, we're bigger, we're better than ever. Um, and and I really loved, I love the way it starts out. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned, and that's kind of a, a recurring theme throughout almost all of these songs really is, you know, kind of this, this kind of like groundswell of, of emotions and sound that the band makes. And you mentioned uh, Marcus Mumford's uh, vocals here, which uh, don't sound, um, you know, not like, not like jagged or gravelly. Uh, like you said, uh, Michaela, they're, they're almost kind of like, like more like raw and vulnerable, but he has such a nice like tonal quality through it, which is why it's hard to to sing. If you want to sing any of these songs, uh, karaoke style uh, for sure. Um, let's, uh, get into track number two here, Michaela. Whispers in the dark. Uh, like this uh, lyric here: "Steal a kiss and you'll break a heart." I like that. Um, there's a warm ambiance that the song kind of begins with here, and then you get kind of kind of swept away. Kind of the kind of the same kind of thing, right? Uh, this uh, fast finger pick to guitar and banjo. It sounds like a like a late night uh, kind of telling of like uh, missed opportunities here, um, especially kind of at the end of the song the it kind of takes like this little bit of a turn and it sounds almost like a like a church hymnal uh, kind of mm -hmm. thing where uh Marcus Mumford is you know kind of imploring himself and imploring the rest of us to you know live while you're young live while you're young uh yes um I love that the beginning the intro to this song I thought was really special because it literally feels like you're splashing you said you know you're being swept out uh, swept away um kind of the water allegories are crazy because I literally feel like there's a splash of sound um and it's not a it's not a sound effect it is a splash of the banjo and the the the, the guitar at the very beginning and you just you you kind of do get swept away and um you feel like you're falling which is really interesting given the lyrics. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, choosing uh, the idea of like lamenting kind of this 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 loss before you know you found it, um, and knowing kind of ahead of time that something was 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 not gonna was not gonna come to fruition. I really liked uh, like that lyric as well. Yeah, exactly. There's a, and there's a lot of those lyrics kind of throughout uh, this whole album, which is, you know, I'd kind of mentioned it or likened it to like this, uh, this Victorian poem. It's almost like like this Victorian, like like breakup tome uh, kind of throughout this thing, which is which is pretty uh, glorious. And that gets us into track number three, I Will Wait, which uh, carries that on. Uh, this was the first single uh, from the album. Really good song here. The banjo is absolutely uh, going just bananas um in the song which is pretty awesome but the vocals here are so like soft and pure and like delicate especially uh when you get into like the chorus when you know mumford singing you know i will wait and like the tempo drops out like the complete like the whole band drops out and it's almost just like him uh just singing you know this uh these lines of i will wait um there's a really kind of aggressive octave shift at the end, which is really affecting too um, in the song. That's something that happens a lot throughout this album, throughout these songs, is that that octave just kind of shifts up and he gets a little bit more. Uh, it's not shouty uh, necessarily, but just do uh, just kind of a little bit more uh, strenuous sounding to me. Um, and I, I think that this song for me, um, I will wait. It's kind of this exploration between, you know, kind of being pained about a love that's lost and kind of being frustrated with yourself about this love that's lost. 
Yeah. Uh, it makes you wonder like what they, you know, what they did <laughs> where it's like, you know, did I, did I cause you to leave? And now I'm waiting for you to come back. And now I have to wait because I messed this up in the first place. It, I, I don't know. There's a lot of that. I feel like there's a lot of that <laughs> in a lot of these songs. Um, but it's almost choral. Like um, there's a lot of songs, this one, not as much in the lyrics uh, that have kind of religious connotations, but definitely when they have that, um, like you say, that key change or that um, that octave kind of change at the end, mm. I very much feel like it's 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 a chorus calling you home. Um, and this, I, I think one of the reasons why this song had such appeal uh, to uh, young women like me uh, who were who were in bars was like, you know, the 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 idea of someone's heart being so um, so 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 aligned with that musical sound right where there are all mm -hmm. these the, the beats and these all this craziness that's happening that's very um like i said the 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 banjo and the picking is so fast and it's so strong and it's it's also like uh echoing the beating of your heart when you're falling in love or when you're in this tumultuous kind of spot where you still love someone but they're not with you and and you have to wait for them but you know that love is so uh holds strong and holds fast and and you're you're being this patient martyr um it's beautiful and sad and i think that's probably one of the reasons why they picked this to be i think this was the first single of the album um mm -hmm. and yep. pro probably rightfully so because it's freaking amazing i mean i could listen to this song a hundred thousand times it's so good <laughs> It's so good. Yeah, I could listen to this song a hundred thousand times. I might have listened to the song a hundred thousand times. Um, and I definitely uh, would have listened to the next song uh, coming up right after it uh, equally as much because I really like this one. Track number four, Holland Road. Um, so the album, by and large, Michaela, I think it kind of is like kind of this introspective look at love loss. Uh, this one here, Holland Road, it feels probably the most angsty of those of these songs, uh, which I like a lot. It's a very beautiful song, but it's very cutting at the same time. Uh, your heart like a stone, you spared no time and lashing out are the lyrics here. Uh, the song's definitely more somber feeling than the first songs, but the banjo here is kind of kind of giving you this little like little like churning rhythm. It's kind of the perfect accompaniment to the tail. And then, you know, the the horns come in, which are just kind of glorious. And uh, this album um, and this song in particular uh, has this really, really strange ability to get you uh, really like excited and like pumped up. And at the same time, it's making you feel real like sad and lonely. It's it's really, really weird, really weird. But yeah, Holland Road, um, it's uh, it's one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, I, I, I think I wrote that down six times. Like, is this my favorite? This this could be my favorite song. Um, uh, and that's times. probably spoiler. <laughs> 12 times I really thought this song was so special um the first time I really listened to it uh to analyze it because you're right it's it's got this dichotomy that you have where you're you're feeling good you're feeling pumped up but you're also feeling really downtrodden um I love uh so I hit my low but little did I know that that would not be the end from the Holland Road well I rose and I rose and I paid less time to your callous mind and I wished you well as you cut me down. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. Uh, at first I was like, man, is this like a dueling cavalier? Like, are we, are we actually like, um, cause you think about this old tiny, like folky, is this, is this a story? Is this a ballad? And I, I feel like, um, it, it's just this love that's, that's been lost and, 
um, there's a lot of heart cracks. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of allegories and lyrics around cracks in someone's hearts or cracks in um, walls around someone's heart in all of the lyrics. But I really, really loved that piece um, of the song for that reason. It's just, I don't know, it, this one was, uh, it, it was a, it's a dark horse, right? Because it didn't, I don't think it made any, it didn't make it to any radios here that I remember listening to. This was definitely a hidden gem that you had to find if you were going to listen to the whole album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You need to listen to this album to to get that song. And yeah, it's just it's um, such a great tale. And it's uh, totally really nice coming off of those first three songs, which are a little bit more. Um, uh, I don't know, a little a little bit more aggressive sounding here. And then we're going to strip it way back here as we get into track number five, Ghosts That We Knew. Um, so basically the band is going to walk off stage here at this point and uh, Marcus Mumford's going to take his acoustic guitar and go set it in front of the audience and sing this one here. So it's just kind of him uh, singing in this this haunting tale of uh, Ghosts That We Knew, uh, right? So we've got the lyrics here, very um, very uh, pointed and very tragic. Um, I have Shakespearean in my notes here for Ghosts mm -hmm. That We Knew. Um, I really like the, uh, the bridge uh, section here you know but hold me still and bury my heart on the coals um, or bury my heart next years depending on if you're listening to this in the UK um, or the or the US but yeah very um, I don't know just a just a very uh, kind of tragic tragic tale here in Ghosts That We Knew. Mm. Yeah I've got uh, th this was so much more broken to me than there there's a lot less rage Right. Because there's not all of the the drums and stuff. It's so um, it, it's kind of the big the bit, the first big dip. I feel like if you're going to listen to this album in its entirety, which is what we recommend here at Drink the Music. Um, but I felt this was a much more intimate look at love, love that's lost. And so once the anger is out and once the rage is out and the frustration is gone, which I feel like expressed itself in a banjo, I, I, this was this delicate picking is much more um, soft and vulnerable. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it, this is a beautiful song. Um, but the ghost that we knew made us blackened or blue but we'll live a long life. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. Lamenting, yeah, lamenting all the, 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 the death that has come and how it affects us forward. Right. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's very haunting, haunting stuff, right. Uh, that you might uh, expect from a song titled ghost that we knew for sure. Um, that gets us to the last track of this first side here, Michaela lover of the light. So this was the second single, um, from the album, another one of my uh, favorites here. Uh, the song itself is a little bit more driving. It's got a little bit more rock and roll ballad, uh, kind of a feel, I think, but the, the theming of lover of the light is, you know, just kind of as, as purposeful and, um, meaningful, I think as the rest of the album here. Um, I love the, kind of imagery of the song it's uh part like self-biblical uh smiting uh and uh part uh vocal uh show off almost here for marcus mumford because the kind of the tempo is up uh especially from you know ghosts that we knew and the vocal range is is going up and up and up and you know being kind of kind of shown off here as we make our way to the halfway kind of mark of the album right it's very much um it reminds me if you go to see like a like a stage like musical or something how you have like this big kind of number right before intermission um and that's mm -hmm. what this sounds like to me yeah this is definitely the one day more of yeah. of the album right like i love this um just because it, for all the reasons that you said right the lyrics are amazing the buildup is great and at the end it's very uh tell me why i i don't I, I, maybe from a musical 
standpoint, you can you can offer some shed some light on this. But why does it feel with all of the sound that he is completely stripped uh, and and he's burying his soul at the end, right? Mm-hmm. And the there's it's different than in um, the ghost that we knew because it's or yes, it's different than the ghost that we knew because it's not stripped down musically, but it very much feels like he is opening up like his heart cave and all of that is on full display as we kind of go through the intermission to the intermission here. It's amazing. I love it Mm -hmm. so much. And I feel like you can't listen to this and really love it as much as, as it's due to be loved without hearing all of the songs that lead up to it because I mean, in and of itself, it's a great song. And it was, I think, was the second release, uh, right? Um, and it's awesome. But mm. it's so much more powerful, I think, listening to it at the end of these other, you know, five songs. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's one of the neat things. And we'll talk about this uh, here as we're uh, going into the album break, Michaela. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the songs on this album have a very similar kind of song structure um, and, you know, which the the kind of story gets told. You have kind of this this little like churning uh, like bits between the guitar and the, the string bass and the banjo and stuff like that. And then it gets to kind of the swell and then it drops off and Marcus Mumford uh, comes out. So I think that's really kind of a credit to um, the songwriting, to the the visualization in the lyrics and the way they kind of they kind of suck you in. And I'd mentioned it, you know, on on one hand, as these songs swell, you get more and more kind of like like excited like you're ready to like like jump up and down and cheer but you know, the the lyrics themselves are so somber and then they kind of drop out and it speaks a lot to uh, marcus mumford's kind of kind of tonal quality mm-hmm. um of his singing um i i think that that is is really kind of key here to kind of hammer home you know the points is that you know we just went on this kind of raucous adventure uh through the song you know musically with the instrumentation um but you know at, at the end right it's uh it's all about uh this uh lover of the light uh story that we're weaving here so Let's take a bit of an album break here, Michaela. So this uh, album, Babel, reaches number one on the U.S. Billboard charts and number one in our hearts. Uh, Babel is going to win the Grammy for Album of the Year, goes two times platinum, and it spawns three releases. So you got the the basic, the standard release that came out in 2012. There was a deluxe edition, which features three more songs that are all really, really good, including a cover of The Boxer, the Simon and Garfunkel uh, song there, which features Paul Simon. Um, And then there's a Gentleman of the Road edition, which features those. There's also like a DVD accompaniment with some music videos and uh, some Red Rocks uh, stuff there, where I think they might have done one of the music videos and stuff like that. So uh, that's pretty cool. Go check those out. Uh, Babel itself, it's uh, uh, presumably it's taken from the biblical story of the Tower of Babel, which, if you don't know, is a story about people attempting to build a tower to reach heaven. The album kind of deals a lot with enlightenment, enlightenment, right? So personal enlightenment, emotional, romantic, religious, and kind of the peril and searching or reaching for those connections, right? A little bit. So I think that's uh, kind of where it's taking its name from. And, you know, following the success of uh, Sino More and then this album, Mumford & Sons, was bigger than ever. Uh, they were starting to uh, fill stadiums. So they had to change their sound a little bit, which was uh, sad to me. Sad to me. I don't think they ever kind of captured uh, the same magic here. But their next album, Wilder Mind, they're going to ditch kind of that uh, that stand-up uh, string bass. They're going to ditch the banjo and go a little bit more just kind of uh 
arena rock sounding uh, kind of a thing. And then uh, the banjoist uh, himself, Winston Marshall, uh, would go on then to to leave the band. And uh, I don't really know uh, for what reason in, in particular, but uh, in 2021, I think it was uh, going to leave the band. So uh, this was for me kind of kind of the pinnacle of this type of music. And I understand the you know the the need and the reason to kind of to kind of change your sound, but Mumford and Sons was very unique, I think, in this yeah. instance here, um, at least in the United States, right? To get kind of this this British folk or like this like faux like Irish folk rock kind of thing here. Yeah, and it's it's a real shame, I think, in some ways because you know, number one, from an American standpoint, they cornered the market, so like you know, they could they could have done um smaller venues that the, if it was a question of the sound in these big stadiums right i mean that, i guess that's a decision that you have to make and um you know record companies they want to make money um so I, I i get it but i also don't because i don't think um i think it's kind of lost on on the the reasons why we kind of fell in love with mumford and sons and that that sound right um mm-hmm. we it definitely sounds I, I mean, and it can, it can work. I mean, they sounded great um, in Glastonbury in 2013. They sound one, they sound really good. They target had this whole extra version of um, live. They added some live music to the bottom of the album um, where you got to hear them live and it sounds great. Um, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't pretend to understand all the ins and outs of that, but I think that that, um, is a shame because we really lose something when you take away the banjo of, of, in the later <laughs> right. albums, right? I mean, um, hey, that that's what happened. And, and maybe that's why this is such a diamond of an album uh, mm-hmm. in and of itself, because it's so special. And the later songs d- did sound different. They had to change their sound. And maybe there, there was there was no way around it. Maybe it was just an evolution. And it, it was a foregone conclusion that nothing stays the same. Uh, but mm-hmm. we can we can at least go back and, and kind of re-listen and relove this sound profile because it is super special. And it I think part of it was that we expected it to be something that you could do in a in a in a in a pub that, you know, uh, it, from an American standpoint, in a pub that's trying to be English or Irish or whatever, um, you know, and, and have this band kind of go to town and bear their souls over a pint. Like that's exactly what we thought of. And right, sure you know, it, it doesn't hit the same uh, in later years with, with the different sound. It just doesn't. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of one of the, the things that, you know, makes this uh, that much more special. I suppose if you're, if you're creating this kind of music, I guess you, you kind of paint yourself into a corner and you need to, to figure out different uh, avenues to go down. Because if you looked at any of like the, like the critical response to this album when it came out it you know everyone was was pretty much on board with that it was that it was great but a lot of it was pretty similar sounding to the first album so maybe you just you feel kind of the need kind of the pressure um to kind of change the way that the sound is a little bit because i don't know how many more uh tales you can tell but luckily for us michaela we have some more tales to tell through the rest of this album so let's uh let's get back to the album here a little bit michaela track number seven is lover's eyes uh if it's not been clear enough at this point i really like all the songs here on this album spoiler warning um but if i had to pick a favorite 
song on the album it's lover's eyes uh the deepest uh it's almost whispery uh kind of vocal range here for marcus mumford in this and uh it kind of makes its way through through the bit the bridge section here and it's a uh, very poetic sounding to me uh team that goes to my head that run wild and wish me dead um as he says kind of an almost like a like a whisper through that um in a similar fashion to kind of a lot of the other songs on this album it has this aggressive kind of vocal jump to close out the end of the song um as the band swells and uh and with uh you know take my hand and i'll be on my way again i in my notes i wrote for the third time is this my favorite song um it's <laughs> i love this it's so mournful um and again the, it's all of these kind of give a different a slightly different variant of that mood to be set right um i love the lyrics were we too young our heads too strong to bear the weight of these lovers eyes Ooh. i mean i feel like this was something that um, whatever happened, it happened, you know, it was it this formative love that occurs when you're, when you're so young and it's almost destined to fail and it's, it's definitely destined to change. So, um, as things happen and your life moves forward, um, you know, you pay a price, whether you stay with that person or you don't stay with that person, there's always a price I feel like. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, um, like at that crescendo when it's I'll walk slow, I'll walk slow, take my hand, help me on my way. Oh, it's um, it's such a like a lover's lament, but also you're really rooting for him that they figured out a way to stay together um, and that somehow it was all worth it, even though that's really hard to do <laughs> if if they were yep. so young. I, I don't know. I think about like an old couple, you know, that's like 80s, 80 years old walking in a garden and thinking about like how hard that journey was um, yeah. is what I think about when I listen to this um, and, and that it wasn't, I mean, it's a long time, so it wasn't easy and it, there were ghosts and there's a, there was a wild run and there were times that I wished I was dead or I wished you were dead even. And, and it's still kind of there. I don't know. Uh, it's, this is a great song. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Marcus Mumford would marry uh, Carrie Mulligan. Uh, we've uh, talked about her on uh, Drink the Movies uh, several times. Uh, so it makes you well, wonder. She's what the one of my favorite people of all time. Makes you uh, wonder what the courtship uh, of her might have been like that uh, that year for sure. Um, let's get into track number eight, Reminder. Um, so there's been kind of a lot of exploring um, in this album so far of like a lost or a broken or a healing relationship. Um, this one, I think to me, Reminder, it feels a little bit more personal. Uh, it's less kind of poetic imagery and more poetic pain uh, in this one. Uh, you never see my bleeding heart. Um, this song is pretty short. It's uh, just about two minutes, just over two minutes, I think. Um, it has more of like a solo, like acoustic feel than kind of the the bigger, you know, kind of swelled out, uh, you know, the band sounds that we've heard uh, kind of throughout the rest of the album. Yeah. No, I, I, I think uh, I love short songs like this because since they are so short, you almost have to pay attention more um, because you'll lose it you'll lose it and it's gone. And I've listened to this album probably about a thousand times. Um, and I love this song because of the lyrics and it's, it's just very quiet and reserved. Um, and I, you know, the reminder that he, he, he needs to know where she is. He, he needs to like, you, I feel like you put people on a shelf or you put them away, but you, you have, you have that reminder so that they're always there when you can go in and, and allow yourself to feel these things about them as mm -hmm. you live your life. That's kind of the, the imagery that came to mind for me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and that imagery is going to really kind of continue here in a really, I don't know, 
beautiful and I, just just a very exuberant song uh, track nine hopeless wanderer um so this song it's kind of like a piano ballad but it's not really a piano ballad the piano is basically just playing the uh, the banjo part that we've heard elsewhere um in the album uh that's what it sounds like to me um at least and then the piano is going to kind of give way before you know the rest oh. of the band just comes in and just goes uh absolutely like bananas uh bananas bananas uh marcus mumford's vocals keep getting louder and louder the banjo piano drums bass all come in uh in this giant swell and it's kind of like a jamboree <laughs> sound uh kind of thing uh here to me uh as as we go into into hopeless wonder right uh hold me fast because i'm a hopeless wanderer um which is uh it it's a song that's that's emotional and just this this big like explosion of the the band's kind of musicianship and uh, yeah. ability to make sounds i guess for sure and i love that this 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 was the first time i remember really saying oh my gosh there's piano here and this is beautiful um i didn't register exactly what it was doing that it was the same kind of riff as the as the strings before so that that's really interesting um i have to go back and 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 listen to that again but i love i love the lyrics so when your hope's on fire but you know your desire don't hold the glass over the flame don't let your heart grow cold i will call you by name and i will share your road oh <laughs> i mean every girl wants someone that's gonna say that to them <laughs> I mean, Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, I get it. That's, I get why you decided to marry him. I, if this is about you, that's, wow. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Every everyone wants someone that will write uh, songs of their heartache by candlelight <laughs> on old yes. parchment. I think is what uh, is what people want for sure. Um, but do people want uh, someone that will wear your bro broken crown? I don't know. Track ten, broken crown. Uh, so the band was doing live performances of the song prior to the album being released. Um, totally broken crown is a little different than the rest of the album i think which is kind of neat um there's like a steel string guitar and um it, it's kind of serving as like an indictment uh maybe an indictment of religion or mm -hmm. uh you know kind of a, a tale of uh, guilt or regret something like that um i like the more somber sounds here um the rest of the, the rest of this album if you listen through the lyrics it, it's pretty it's pretty downtrodden but but most of them have like this this feeling of like jovialness almost, you know, yeah. with the way that the songs are constructed. This one's definitely not that. It's definitely more somber sounding and, uh, you know, kind of breaks up uh, a little bit. Hopeless Wanderer is kind of this big, big thing below my feet. The song after it kind of does uh, sort of the same kind of thing. And then uh, this one's really interesting to me, Michaela, because there's like this full horn section that comes in. Mm, yeah. I've heard horns a time or two there, but normally when you have horns come into a song, you know, in a band that's not really, doesn't really have have like a horn section usually when it comes in it's very like like bright and like obvious sounding that it's coming in but the way that this horn section comes in it almost is like it's flowing in with the music which i think is really really kind of neat it's just like like broadening the scope as opposed to being like oh and here come the horns uh to hit that i like that it's just kind of a natural extension on the song yeah no i totally agree i i really loved the way um this got very dark um, because I, I think you're right. I mean, this one to me, first of all, the religious connotations were really squirrely, um, talking about, mm. you know, pulling on your flesh and the broken crown and then crawling on your belly. Um, there's so much around that where it's, what is he renouncing? Is he renouncing this person? Is he renouncing the church? Is he, um, you know, he's saying, I'll crawl on my belly till the sun is he renouncing down. himself. <laughs> is he right? Is he he's talking about himself? I'll never wear your broken crown. Like, what is he, what is he actually 
kind of uh, rebuking um, and, and all the darkness in this. I, I really liked it. It was a very different sound than all of the other songs. And I think it's why it, once again, I put one of my favorites yeah. <laughs> on my list yeah. because it's, it's got this just deepness to it that is in a different way. I mean, they're all very profound, but this one definitely had that dark, I don't know, not gritty, but just a, um, it's a little more angry sounding, I angry. think. Angry. Yeah. Um, than the, than the rest of the album, I think, um, for sure, you know, and it, it definitely kind of, the vocals kind of, kind of swell and, and get a little, um, not necessarily angry, but a little bit more, uh, vicious sounding kind of throughout mm -hmm. but yeah it sounds a little bit more angry here um i think and then we get into uh another one of my favorites below my feet um if you listen really closely to kind of the beginning of the song you hear like almost this like ambient like sound like if you were just like put like a tape recorder inside of like an empty uh like cathedral or something you get kind of this mm -hmm. this like ambient like echo you get that if you listen really close to to the end and then or to the beginning of the song and then kind of this finger picking comes in and then uh the song again kind of carrying off of broken crown it's kind of this slightly jaded reflection of life and and religion here um i really love this uh line from below my feet for i was told by jesus all is well so all must be well um by the end of the song uh i think marcus mumford's vocals go like almost the rawest sounding um very jaggedy uh sounding here at the end of this um and there's kind of a sustained distorted guitar note that lays kind of this backbone uh kind of throughout the the song before the band kind of swells to this you know almost like pinnacle of noise that's uh both you know kind of hopeful and kind of wrathful yeah no i'm, I'm glad you said something about kind of the, the that tonal quality of the of the guitar at the end I, I thought it was really interesting. I actually wrote down this. It sounds like they're doing something with a electric guitar, but we can definitely tell this is acoustic. I don't know how they did it. It's amazing mm -hmm. um, where they have that sustained kind of, I don't want to say reverb because it, it it's not a rock. It's not rock, but it's like, I really just thought it was super interesting sounding and I loved the lyrics, uh, keep the earth below my feet for all my sweat, my blood runs weak. I, I really think, uh, again, th this is one of those, I, I don't know exactly if he's talking about himself trying to just center himself. Um, it's definitely got the religious connotations, which coming off of Broken Crown, it's like, hmm, what, what, hmm, <laughs> what are we, where, what are we thinking about all that you've done? Are we, are you feeling super guilty? Um, mm -hmm. I think he comes from a quite evangelical family. Um, so uh, maybe that was, that's part of it, but maybe he's also re rebuking the feeling of, of guilt. Um, I, I'm not sure. And like keeping, making sure that you just keep, like keep your feet on the ground. People used to say that when we were kids, like making sure right. you keep your yeah. feet on the ground, keep your, Stay grounded, it's yeah. about you. Stay grounded. Don't go off and, and fly too far. Um, and I find that interesting that in a song about Jesus, they're like, please don't, don't, don't dream too much. Don't, don't get too head. Um, because you know, that could lead you astray. I, I liked it. I, li I like this one a lot. Yeah, it has kind of a 
kind of a message and a theme of almost like a, like self-forgiveness kind of in a way, mm-hmm. I think to, yeah, to, to keep yourself grounded and to, you know, feel, feel the earth uh, below my feet, uh, which is really a kind of nice sentiment. And that gets us into the last song on the album, Michaela, not with haste. Um, I will love with urgency, but not with haste um, is her final line here. Um, you know, kind of, kind of this album and by, by the end here, uh, certainly the, the lyrics and the, and the stories and the musicianship has, has been like super vulnerable um, and been laid kind of bare um, here. And we get left with this uh, churning banjo, just like we got, you know, kind of at the beginning of the album in Babel, it sounds uh, pretty similar to me, but, um, but kind of the, the lyrics and and the message of the song, it's almost like a call for mercy. Like you've laid your, laid your soul to bear through the first 11 albums. And this is uh, kind of like a tortured soul confessing uh, <laughs> to his heart and be like, just uh Please, please, I've had enough of this, right? I have no strength from which to speak when you sit me down and see I'm weak. Uh, you know, one of the things that I really, really love about the song and the way that it's structured is um, kind of, you could you could say that a lot of these songs have a similar structure, right? It comes in uh, kind of soft, it builds and builds and builds to where uh, Mark Smilford mm-hmm. is, is ending up, you know, almost not not screaming, but, you know, very much, very much louder than he was. And then it kind of kind of drops off. And this song is kind of built that same way right it, it starts off soft it gets kind of this this crescendo but um vocally never makes that jump at the end um and it shows a ton of restraint uh here and i think that it fits you know kind of the song and the messaging of this song of this of this torturous songs and and emotions and i i just love that kind of at the end of it you're expecting like this one last just blowout uh of the vocals and it, it never comes and it um you know, just kind of kind of drifts drifts off out to sea um, in a way almost. So, uh, yeah, not with haste. It's a it's a really really nice ending uh, to the song, and finally has put us out of our Victorian misery, Michaela. I mean, or Victorian hotness. Oh, this. Oh. So this is my favorite song. I I I've decided uh, if if for nothing else, the lyrics itself. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, there's I could I, I I could point out my favorite pieces, but I just read you all of the lyrics. Um, but I, I think my favorite, I think, is um, as we walked through the fields of green was the fairest sun I'd ever seen. And I was broke. I was on my knees. But you said yes, as I said, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, it, it, this is so good. And I'm so glad because when I listened to this album, I was not listening to the vinyl, unlike you, right? I was listening to it via Apple, Apple music or Spotify or something. And so I was listening to the deluxe version. And so this was not the final, the final song. And I was so sad in a way. I was glad that there were more songs because I think they sound amazing, but I, this is the perfect ending to this album because it starts off with this huge bang and this like, all right, we're going to build this tower to heaven. Are we going to get there? And that's in, in my mind, visually over the course of the songs, like the tower crumbles, we build it again, the tower crumbles, we build it again. And finally at the end, we are just completely broken. And then we look up and there's, and there's a tower, Um, you know, and you can make this case that he's talking about love. He's talking about religion. He's talking about um, friendships um this one i definitely feel he is he's talking to his own heart like you said right he's talking to himself mm-hmm. and saying i i need to i need to give myself some peace um and when you're that broken uh you know needing to be healed and finding a solve somehow that's going to heal you in the same space 
Um, that's what creates this urgency, right? Wherein he says, I will love with urgency, but not with haste. Oh, it's the best. So good. It's my favorite <laughs> song. That's why. And and it, and again, it's well, a hidden gem. If you haven't, if you, it, I don't think this ever showed up on uh, any radio stations, at least in America. So um, if you're, if you haven't heard it, please go listen to it because it's amazing. <laughs> that's that's right it is amazing yeah and uh yeah if you didn't uh listen or if you've only listened to the singles you probably have not uh not heard this one and yeah this this album is is fantastic Mika. we've we've mentioned it a, a time or two throughout this thing but i've um loved this album kind of since it you know very first released i got introduced myself to mumford and sons i i think it was actually my brother um he'd sent me um little lion man or i'd put it like on a on a cd or give me a copy of of that or something for um for christmas and said hey check this out and um i was just like instantly hooked so when this this came out i was just blown away as you know someone who really liked the album sign no more like i said this just basically kind of kind of takes that at is like the like the raw ingredients and here is like the final final product for this and it's just it's so like magical and you know uh, even even albums that have a lot of really good songs um this one to me like like any of these songs are spectacular and could be my favorite song on any given day um there's not like a not like a miss i don't think um on this album at all which is which is really you know pretty special and pretty neat and obviously why it went on to win you know album of the year kind of not out, not out of nowhere by by any stretch of the imagination but um but uh but yeah definitely kind of took over world by storm um mumford and sons actually performed at the grammys um a couple uh the the year that their um, first album sign of more was was nominated and i might have been the 2011 grammys uh potentially i'm not 100 sure on that but they they performed with uh bob dylan and the avid brothers who i also i uh, really like they're from our uh, neck of the woods here so i'm gonna have to go look that up because that sounds like that probably was a pretty magical uh performance i would yeah. i would guess go and i think they actually performed like three like like three of their songs so i think they performed like this like three song set together of of these three groups so i'm gonna have to go and uh search that out so uh michaela neither of us have had the opportunity to see mumford and sons in concerts maybe We'll have to rectify that uh, sometime in the future if they're ever making their way uh, back over here on tour. Definitely would love to get out and see them live because it seems like it would be quite the quite the experience, I think, for sure. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Um, Michaela, you, we talked a little bit about kind of kind of being introduced to the bands and stuff like that. Had you had you heard any of these other songs prior to uh, this week? Oh, when yeah. You, when you started binging Babel? For... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. So I, I literally, um, this is one of the albums that I, I did invest in, um, in when I heard a couple of their songs. And so I've heard these songs dozens, hundreds of times. Um, mm. but I don't think, um, I'd ever really taken the time to analyze them, you know, for the, like, for the, like I did for the sake of this podcast. Um, and I think that, uh, if you are interested, if you're if you're just kind of a, a layman as as maybe most people are with Mumford and Sons, and you've heard a couple of their singles, this is this album is definitely one to listen to fully because it's it's really spectacular for the reasons that we've we've just described for the last forty minutes. Um, it, it it's got so much to it that I think. Um, is is so much more than just the the songs that are put out, which is why it did so well and why it won album of the year, rightfully so. Um, it, mm -hmm. It's really special, and it's it really calls me back to a very nostalgic time um, in my life. But also, I, I think it's 
it probably does for for the band as well, since things kind of changed after um, with Wildermine and then Delta in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really really cool, and I I agree. I I think again we should we should figure out a um, a travel plan for Drink the Music um, uh, to to be able to go see them uh, perform live somewhere because I bet that that would be spectacular um, as long as it's in a pub in the back of a crowded room. As long as it's in a pub or we'll just have to put it on the jukebox and listen to it at the, at the pub and, and pretend. Um, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't listened to this, or this album for a few years uh, when we put it up for the for the vote, I listened to it kind of on my my travels and then listened to it, I don't know, like seven more times uh, all the way through because I can never get li- tired of listening uh, to these songs. And I'd forgotten uh, just how just how amazing it was and and how it made me feel. So definitely uh, want to say thank you to the patrons uh, who took the time to vote for this and uh, ultimately ended up uh, picking Mumford and Sons. So if you want to make sure you are in on the uh, votes, you can go to www.patreon.com slash drink the movies. We've got uh, the votes. We've got behind the scenes stuff. We've got uh, extra bonus content and extra episodes and uh, cocktail chats and all sorts of things going on over there. You can do that on the Patreon. Um, if you want to let us know what you think about Mumford & Sons, let us know if you've seen them in concert. Let us know what your favorite uh, song is. Let us know what you think about this week's cocktail. It's good. Uh, go ahead and make one of those up. Send us pictures, all that stuff. You can do it on our social medias. That's at Drink the Movies on Instagram and X and Threads and Blue Sky and Facebook.com slash Drink the Movies. Go there. Uh, send us all your feedback. Join us on Discord. Uh, same thing applies to over there. Uh, go to our website, www.drinkthemovies.com for uh, the recipes, uh, pictures, other all the things over there on the website so go check that out so definitely appreciate that and we appreciate anyone Michaela who takes the time to like and subscribe to the podcast including JR3650SP uh, who left us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts uh, this is Brian and Michaela live the dream I want to live enjoying movies and adding a drink or two while watching check this podcast and see where it takes you uh, so thank you very much JR we definitely appreciate the feedback and we appreciate anyone who takes the time out of their busy day to leave us a review and subscribe Michaela uh, if you want to be awesome like our uh, JR uh, right there uh, anyone else who's taken the time to listen to the podcast where can you do that you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods. We're on iHeartRadio, uh, anywhere where Spotify podcasts are supported and distributed. Um, whatever you're listening to us on right now, if you're liking what you're hearing, uh, there's a subscribe button. Please press that button. We'd love it if you did. And if you're really liking what we're hearing, please leave us a five-star review. Tell your friends. Go on social media. Um, you do it for a lot of things. You could do it for this too. I know you can. We believe in you. Uh, we are super excited uh, to be kind of well into this musical adventure of Drink the Music. Um, and we hope to be able to share more albums and kind of playlists with you all going forward. Uh, we can't do that without your help. We're so grateful for, for all of uh, the community that we have, that you guys have built with each other already. So thanks so much for that. Absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, learning a little bit more about uh, Mumford & Sons Babble from 2012. Thank you for joining us and we'll talk to you next time on Drink. Drink. The music. music. This is a pretty good one, Kayla. It's, oh my gosh, so good. Not with haste, that song. So, so good. So good. Bam.